Gonzaga has a chance to reset and pick up their first true road win of the season on Thursday against Pepperdine in Malibu. What are we going to be looking for in tonight's matchup? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Folks, right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Well, the Zags take on Pepperdine again. They are looking for not only their first road victory of the season, they are also looking for the win number 700 for Mark Few. Uh, we got some notes on that game. We're going to talk about what we want to see from Gonzaga in that one. We're also going to talk about some former Gonzaga coaches, how they're doing elsewhere around college basketball. We'll talk in particular about Roger Powell in his first season at Valpo. Also got some notes on Yvonne Ejim and the incredible season she is having for the women's basketball program and an award that she is up for and an award from Canada that she got alongside Kyle Wiltshire. Got some fun notes on that later in the show. But we're going to kick things off talking about tonight's matchup for those of you listening on Thursday in Malibu, 7 p.m. Pacific time against Pepperdine. The game will be on KHQ, Root, Sports Plus, ESPN Plus. That's kind of been the trifecta for these games that aren't on national networks, that aren't on ESPN or ESPN2. Again, if you are in Spokane, the game will be on KHQ. If you are in the Pacific Northwest, but outside of the Spokane area in the in the Root Sports market, it's on Root Sports Plus, which is different from Root Sports. Uh, I use Fubo TV, which has both, so I'm not sure how it works necessarily for everybody else. Uh, if you are looking to try to figure out how to find the game, join us on our Discord channel because one of the big conversations we have every day in that every game day in that Game Threads channel is discussing how to help people find where the game is being broadcast. And then for those of you outside of the entire Pacific Northwest, shout out to our listeners out in New York. Shout out to our listeners out on the East Coast. Even some of you outside of the country. I appreciate all of you being here on Locked on Zags. Uh, you folks can find the game on ESPN+. Plus. So a couple weeks ago on January 4th, Gonzaga boosted their win streak to 47 straight games over Pepperdine. That game was on January 4th at the Spokane Arena. Graham E.K. had a fantastic performance. It also represented a huge bounce back performance for both Nolan Hickman and Ryan Nemhard, who struggled offensively in the game against San Diego State and then found their outside shooting and had a great performance against Pepperdine. We will hope for more of the same for Gonzaga in this particular game as they, of course, struggled offensively, 2 of 20 shooting against Santa Clara last Thursday. Ideally, this represents a similar type of bounce-back performance for Gonzaga's guards, for Graham E.K. as well, who did not do much in that game against uh, against uh, Santa Clara this last week. So those are kind of the things we're going to be hoping to see. Um, we'll also talk a little bit about the five things that we'll be looking for. For those of you who have listened to the show, you know that we, we like to kind of do either five keys to victory or just five things we're looking for kind of varying depending on the opponent that Gonzaga is playing. Since we've already seen Pepperdine, a lot of it's going to be a little bit different than what we did last time. We don't just want to rehash the same things unless that is uh, particularly relevant in this situation. For Pepperdine, since the last time Gonzaga faced them, they are 
two and one. They have a six point home loss at Santa Clara. So they only lost to them by six, 78 to 72 was the final score. They then hosted Pacific, who is the worst team in the WCC and continues to be one of the worst teams in all of college basketball, at least according to the Ken Palm rankings. Uh, Pepperdine beat them by 15, scored 92 points on the Tigers of Pacific. Uh, Then they went on the road, took on the Toreros of San Diego, Gonzaga's opponent this upcoming Saturday. Pepperdine was able to secure a six point victory there. So looking ahead to our five kind of things that we'll be watching for in this game. And I think the biggest one is if Gonzaga is able defensively to do what they did last time these two teams faced 14 days ago and stymie Pepperdine's big three. Pepperdine has always had talented players. They have not beaten Gonzaga in a very long time. They have not had a lot of success in the WCC in a long time. It is a familiar drum for the waves of Pepperdine, and really in particular for Lorenzo Romar, who is a great recruiter, who has talented players in his system year in and year out, going back decades in his time at the University of Washington, and yet still they struggle to win games. But this year, they got talented players. It is not, Again, the refrain is similar. The, three big, the, the big three for Pepperdine is Michael Ajayi, Houston Millette, and Javon Porter. And last time these two teams faced, Gonzaga held those three players to a combined eight of 36 from the field. Really, really great defensive performance from Gonzaga. You could tell that they set out to shut those guys down. They said, if they're going to beat us, somebody else is going to have to do it. Pepperdine doesn't really have anybody else. They got Ethan Anderson's a good point guard. He's not a great scorer necessarily. Bubakar Koulibaly is a, a decent rim protector. He's a big body, but he's not a particularly great scorer either. They're getting their offense from these three guys. And these three players, again, for evidence of how good Gonzaga's defense was, their numbers since then have been fantastic. Michael Ajayi in the three games Pepperdine has played since they played Gonzaga 27 points and 10 rebounds, followed by 21 points and 7 rebounds, followed by 24 points and 12 rebounds. Those are monster performances from Michael Ajayi after that Gonzaga game. He's going to come in hoping to redeem himself after a not-so-great performance a few weeks ago. Houston Millette had 19 against Pacific. He also had 23 points and 5 assists against San Diego. Meanwhile, Javon Porter had 14 and 5 against Santa Clara. He had 26 against Pacific. Again, they don't really guard anybody though, so it's a bit of a grain of salt there. And then he struggled against San Diego, only had seven points, although he did grab nine rebounds. For Gonzaga, slowing those three guys down again, playing quality defense on Pepperdine's three best players is a huge recipe for success in this one. Uh, Number two, Make Pepperdine double Graham E.K. And I basically just changed it a little bit from what it was previously, which was feed the ball to Graham E.K. and let him go to work. Uh, Pepperdine did not double Graham E.K. last time. And it did not work for them at all. Graham E.K. had 20 points on 8 of 10 shooting. He was fluid. He was efficient. He was quick with the basketball. They fed him the ball on the post. He made a quick move. He scored. It was like clockwork. It was almost boring to watch how easy it was for Graham E.K. to score on Pepperdine. I suspect they might make an adjustment. Now, again, I'm, I'm picking on Lorenzo Romar a little bit, but this is not a particularly big strength of his. It was kind of shocking to watch them continue to just let E.K. feast and feast and feast, and they never adjusted. They never decided to send a double team at him. Be interested to see if they try that this time because Santa Clara did it, and it worked. So if I'm Lorenzo Romar... If I was Pepperdine, I would encourage trying this. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You're going to take a loss just like you would have taken a loss either way, but you might as well try something different because it sure as heck didn't work last time. 
if Pepperdine does make the decision to double, I will be curious how Gonzaga handles that. Is Graham E.K. capable of quickly passing out of the double? Does he turn the ball over multiple times? Does Gonzaga just give the ball to Anton Watson and let him operate instead? That's kind of what ended up happening against Santa Clara, partly because E.K. picked up foul trouble, but that was still an area that they, they kind of chose to attack differently in part because of that. That'll be something I'll be watching for in this one. Next, kind of the same thing that happened last time. Find the outside shot again. And look, this is kind of a lose-lose for Gonzaga. Because either they shoot poorly, in which case there's a lot of panic because they shot well against this team last time. Why can't this team consistently shoot well? Blah, blah, blah. And like we'll be in panic mode if Gonzaga can't shoot well from three against Pepperdine. But if they shoot well, if they do what they did last time when they shot 42% as a team, when Nolan Hickman and Ryan Nempart, I think, went a combined six of eight from three, it's not really going to be viewed the same way that it was last time when this happened because we saw them then struggle again the following week against Santa Clara. So it's a bit of a lose-lose for Gonzaga. I'm not saying that's a bad, th- I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. I, I, it's understandable why the fan base isn't going to get super geeked about these guys having a good shooting performance against the team that they've already played and they've already done it again against, but I'd still love to see it. It'd still be great for my confidence, for many of your confidence in this team's ability to at least get a little bit better if they can shoot well in this game. Be great for Nolan Hickman to prove that he's not going to have that second half slump that we've seen from him in the past. Be great for Ryan Nembhard to continue to rebuild his value as a three-point shooter, forced defenses to at least have to consider whether they want to keep going under on screens if he can make them pay by hitting a three at the top of the key. Key number four, I want to see some offense from Stromer or Yo. We just haven't. We just haven't. Not in a long time from either of these guys. Yo hasn't played much in the last, really, this entire year, 2024. He didn't play much toward the end of 2023 either. Uh, Stromer has been good at times. He has been eh, not so good at other times. He didn't have a very good game against Santa Clara. He's young. He's a freshman. He's being asked to do more than he expected to be uh, asked to do this season. So I'm not really holding anything against him. I think his development has been quality, and I think he's still going to be a good player. But it'd be nice in this kind of game to see some kind of offense from either Stromer or Yo. Would love to see Dusty get back into double figures. He hasn't been there in a while. Would love to see Yo get some run, get some opportunity to stretch his legs, hit some shots, get out in transition, just show that he can be a long-term piece to this team offensively and defensively. And then number five, some walk-on minutes, some Pavle Stosic minutes. Last time these two teams played, Stosich, Few, and Colby Brooks all got three, four minutes of action each. Uh, Colby Brooks had a jump shot. That was it offensively for those three guys. I got to tell you, Joe Few hitting his first field goal in a game where Mark Few picks up his 700th victory, that is a really fun story. You'd love to see it happen at home, but I'm more than content seeing Joe Few get a bucket. Mark Few have to pretend he's just not super excited about it when inside you know he's happy to see his kid do that and knowing that he's getting his 700th victory. I think that'd be a really cool way for this game to end and it's something I'll be watching for assuming Gonzaga can build a big enough lead to get those guys on the floor at the end of the game. Levon Ejim is once again in contention for a very prestigious award and her and Kyle Wilcher each got recognized by Canada Basketball. More on that coming up after a word from today's sponsor eBay Motors. Passion, drive, patience, that's what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what helps keep your ride or die alive. And eBay Motors has everything that you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you are into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. 
And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. Plus, with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that trophy. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Today's episode of Locked on Zags is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move that I can make that will take my business to the next level in 2024? And LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why they've created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Look, LinkedIn is not just another job board. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals making hiring insanely easy when you have that many quality candidates. It's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. We have big plans for growing the show in 2024, and we know that hiring the right team member can help you do just that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats these days, and they may not have time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, it is quick, and it is easy. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. This is LinkedIn dot com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply all right segment two here still in Patton, still locked on zags podcast talking yvonne Egim, women's basketball star for lisa fortier's team and she has been named to the becky hammond player of the year mid-season award watch list 15 players have been named to this list, and it is a mid-major specific award watch list. So Vani's been named among 14 other mid-major players in women's college basketball to potentially be a candidate to win this award at the end of the season. This is the second year in a row that Yvonne has been on this list. She was a finalist last year, meaning she made it all the way to the top five. The winner was Sam Breen at UMass. Uh, but this is a word that's only been around since 2000, and now Yvonne has been a finalist once and is on her way, well on her way, frankly, to being a finalist once again this season. Uh, she's one of two players from the WCC on this list. Tess Heal, uh, the star player for Santa Clara, is the other representative from the West Coast Conference. This list will be cut down to 10 in February. It will be cut down to five in early March. That's where Yvonne made it last year. And then the winner will be named at the final four or around the final four, according to the press release from Gonzaga's uh, Gonzaga women's basketball's website. So uh, Vani's in a great convers- or a great spot here to be a, a legitimate candidate for this award, uh, named after Becky Hammond. For those who don't know Becky Hammond, uh, she started Colorado State. That is where she played college basketball. She helped lead the Rams to their first uh, and to date only Sweet 16 appearance back in 1999. Uh, she was drafted in the WNBA, became a absolute legend as a player. I think she was a six-time All-Star, multiple uh, WNBA first-team award winners, uh, one of the best point guards to ever play uh, women's basketball, to ever play in the WNBA. 
WNBA. Uh, since then, she has moved into the coaching sphere. Of course, she was a strong candidate to become a, a head coach in the NBA. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers were known to be connected to her. Greg Popovich, the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs, was, was advocating for her to get a head coaching job in that space. She ultimately uh, took a head coaching job in the WNBA uh, with the Las Vegas Aces, has led them to back-to-back championships uh, in the WNBA. So a, a prolific women's basketball player at the collegiate level, proficient WNBA player, one of the best of all time, and now one of the best coaches uh, in that space of all time as well. So a really prestigious player to have this award named after. And yeah, Yvonne is absolutely in this conversation, if not the front runner. I mean, as a finalist last year, her numbers were good last year. They're better in every conceivable way this year for this team. Right now, as we record this, Yvonne is averaging 20.3 points per game. That is 20th in the country. Caitlin Clark's at 31. Everybody else is somewhere between 20 and 30. But but Yvonne, right there in that conversation, 20th most proficient scorer from just a points per game perspective in the entire country. That's not among mid-majors, folks. That is among the entire country. She's also averaging 7.6 rebounds per game, 2.2 assists, 1.1 steals, and 1.1 blocks. She is an extraordinarily efficient scorer. Not an outside shooter. Does not space the floor whatsoever, but she is shooting 65% on two-point shots. She is also 81% from the free throw line. There's not a whole lot you can do when Ejim gets the ball on the block. And that's what makes this Gonzaga team so great is they have prolific passers. Both the Trung twins are very capable distributors, facilitators. They're capable of driving and dishing Tavani on the block as well. You have great floor spacers. Brenna Maxwell is one of the most prolific three-point shooters in the entire country. She hasn't quite been as good as she was last year, but expecting her to do that again, she was like 52% last year. Kind of knew there was going to be a bit of a drop-off, but she's still somebody that needs to be defended on the perimeter. With her, with Eliza Hollinsworth, who's a capable rebounder and a floor spacer with the Trung Twins, it's a really difficult offense to stop because you can send everybody, you can send the entire kitchen sink at Yvonne and try to stop her, but she's a good enough passer to get rid of the basketball when needed. Uh, She's a a prolific enough scorer to score through double teams, and if you put her on the free throw line, she's going to knock those down about about 82% of the time too, so a really, really difficult player to stop, and you're seeing that play out uh, because Gonzaga's not only beaten up on the teams in the WCC, but they have you know, that huge win against Stanford, we've talked about that, but many of their other non-conference wins are going to continue to age well. They have a nice win over Arizona, wins over Rice, South Dakota, a handful of other really solid programs that they have beat this year. So continuing to see Yvonne put together one of the best seasons we have seen uh, from a, a Gonzaga player in, in the last few years, and there have been plenty of good ones. It's not like it has been a down stretch by any uh, stretch of the imagination for Lisa Fortier's team. This program has been very good, and Yvonne is putting together an outstanding season. At this point, she is the shoe-in for WCC Player of the Year. Uh, would be a shock if she did not win that award at this point. And I think she has a realistic shot of being an All-American at well, as well. At least she should be. 20th in the country in scoring, uh, leading a team that's a top 15 team in the country. I know they're, they're 17th right now, but there's a chance they're in the top 15 or around there. Uh, I think puts her in a really good spot to be in that All-American conversation. Uh, and then I also want to talk real quick. So Canada basketball, they do a player of the week just amongst just Canadian basketball players, one male, one female. And this week... Uh, not only was Yvonne the selection for the women's side, which is her second player of the week award nomination from Canada basketball, uh, the nominee on the male side was Kyle Wilcher. 
pair of Zags getting nominated, getting some love from Canada, uh, the, their basketball program. And not a real shock necessarily. Of course, Gonzaga has had a prolific relationship uh, with, with Canada basketball and, and for a very long time. Kyle Wiltshire being among them. Kevin Pangos in that conversation. Andrew Nembhard, Brandon Clark, uh, Ke Kelly Olenek, Robert Sacre. The list goes on and on and on uh, of the success that these two have had. And, and for Wiltshire, he, he's playing right now uh, in the EuroLeague. He's playing in Italy at, with Venezia. Uh, he averaged 24 and four last week, mostly coming off of a really good game on January 10th. He had 32 points on 16 of 23 shooting, an outstanding performance for Wiltshire. Uh, his averages are not quite that high in 15 games with Venezia. He's averaging about 13 points and four boards, but he had a breakout game a few about a week ago, and that earned him this Player of the Year award or Player of the Week award from Canada, along with Yvonne, who, uh, of course, has been playing exceptionally for the Zags so far this season. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this conversation here. We are going to move on to close out the show talking about some former Zag coaches. Roger Powell, in particular, gave a really emotional postgame speech after a recent win for Valpo. We're going to talk about that and how he and other former Zag coaches are doing this season after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the college basketball offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 in your pocket if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time than right now to get in on the action. The FanDuel app is super easy to use. There is a wide range of betting options, which includes spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Right now, Gonzaga is 12.5-point favorites against Pepperdine on Thursday. They beat him by 26 last time. I don't know about you. I'm feeling pretty good about the Zags being able to cover the spread here. If you want to join me, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get in on the action this college basketball season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, folks, closing out the show today, talking about the former Zags coaches who are now head coaches at the Division I level elsewhere in college basketball. Something we try to do semi-regularly. Usually it ends up being an off-season topic, but I thought it might be fun to kind of tag it on the end of the show this week, kind of keep track of how these coaches are doing, uh, former Gonzaga coaches. Uh, we'll talk about Dan Monson, obviously a, the predecessor to Mark Few uh, as the head coach of the Gonzaga Bulldogs. We'll talk about Tommy Lloyd and Leon Rice, uh, former Gonzaga assistants who are having success uh, on the West Coast at their respective schools, Boise State and Arizona. But we're going to start with the most recent Gonzaga assistant who has become a full-time head coach. That is Roger Powell. Roger Powell was a Gonzaga assistant for four years, came over in 2019, was with the team until last year. Now the head coach of Valparaiso in the Missouri Valley Conference. He was a former assistant coach there uh, back when he kind of first got into coaching before moving on to Vanderbilt, before coming to Gonzaga. Now he's back uh, as the head man for that program. Uh, they're not off to a particularly great start. Uh, they needed to replace their coach from last year for a reason. This is a program that hasn't had a lot of success in the last couple of years in a very talented Missouri Valley Conference. They're a really good basketball conference this season with Drake and Indiana State in particular playing some excellent basketball. Right now, Powell's team is 5-12. and 12 on the season. They are 1-5 in the Missouri Valley Conference, but that win is what I want to talk about because their first win in conference play came at Illinois State. Illinois State is where Roger Powell Jr. 
the head coach, his father, Roger Powell Sr., starred at Illinois State in the 1970s, and he was unable to make the game. The report I saw didn't indicate why. I don't know if it's health issues or anything like that. But after the game, Coach Powell was talking about the win, and he got very emotional talking about, you know, getting to, to get a win in the place that his dad played and kind of coming full circle and it was a reminder of how, first of all, how fortunate Gonzaga was to have Coach Powell on the sideline for four years. He's a phenomenal coach. And look, this is nothing against R.J. Barsh, who has replaced Powell at Gonzaga as the assistant coach, uh, as a recruiter. I think Barsh is doing a phenomenal job. But uh, Powell was a fantastic coach, fantastic man. And I think that uh, this Valparaiso program is going to be quite happy to have him, even if their first 17 games have resulted in only five victories. It takes time to turn a program around like this. And I think there's a lot of optimism that Powell is the right person for the job here and that in a couple of years this Valparaiso program is going to be in a much better spot and perhaps that will lead to Powell getting some different opportunities in the coaching sphere as well. Next up, Leon Rice at Boise State, 14th year. He's the head coach of the Broncos. He started there in 2010 uh, after his time as an assistant coach at Gonzaga. He has won about 64% of his games, 280 wins and 160 losses. He made four NCAA tournaments, including each of the last two years. He has twice been named the Mountain West Conference Coach of the Year, once in 2015 and once in 2022. Uh, teams off to a great start, 12-5 and five on the year. They are 3-1 and one in the Mountain West. That includes victories over Nevada and Colorado State, two teams that were basically automatic assumptions, like, hey, these two teams are going to the big dance. There was five Mountain West Conference teams pretty much locked in to NCAA tournament spots. It was Nevada, Colorado State. Uh, you had, uh, of course, San Diego State and then Utah State were the four, four of the five that were guaranteed. Uh, UNLV was in that conversation. Boise State was in that conversation. New Mexico, I think, was the other team that was pr- – was predominantly showing up uh, on those races, but now Boise State three and one start got themselves a couple of victories against some high profile programs. Be really interested to see if Boise State can once again for the third year in a row, make the NCAA tournament that has never happened in Broncos history. And this team is very fortunate to have Leon Rice as their head coach. He has been doing a phenomenal job with the Broncos. Speaking of a phenomenal job, Tommy Lloyd, we all know how he's doing. We don't need a big update there. A lot of Gonzaga fans are are very closely following what's going on at Arizona with the Wildcats. He's in his third year there, 73 and 15 overall as I'm recording this on Wednesday afternoon prior to Arizona's game this evening. So he's either 74 and 15 or 73 and 16. Either way, uh, he was the AP and Pac-12 coach of the year in 2022. Uh, team is a top five team at Ken Palm. Really, really phenomenal stuff from Tommy Lloyd. Really big loss for Gonzaga. And it's kind of one of those things of like, what can you do? It sucks to lose a Tommy Lloyd. You don't just replace Tommy Lloyd with the next coach that you hire. Brian Michelson's a great coach. He's not Tommy Lloyd. I think he might get to the level where he's about as competent as Tommy Lloyd, but it took Tommy 20 years to get there. Brian Michelson just hasn't put in that amount of time yet. So uh, a tough loss for Gonzaga, but proof of how strong that coaching tree has been to see Lloyd's success, to see Leon Rice's success, uh, to feel confident that we're going to see success from Coach Powell uh, as he gets more familiar with his surroundings at Valpo going forward. And then uh, just a shout out to Dan Monson, 17th season at Long Beach State. He got his job there. 
he found a spot on the beach that he liked, and he has just gotten comfortable coaching this program out of the Big West. Uh, he spent eight years prior to that at Minnesota. Of course, he spent two years as the head coach at Gonzaga prior to that, including the 1999 Magical Run before he took that job at Minnesota. Monson's won about 53% of his games in his career, uh, four-time Big West Coach of the Year, 2011, 2012, 2013, and then again in 2022. Team is 11-7 and this year. They've been a, a kind of a, a unique team in the college basketball space this year. They got wins over Michigan and USC. And on paper for a program in the Big West, that looks phenomenal. Now, neither Michigan or USC are particularly good this year. And, and Long Beach State had a significant role in exposing both those teams as not being as good as many people thought that they could be or were going to be or were at the time. Uh, this team also has losses to Illinois State, who we just mentioned as Roger Powell's first victory in the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, Long Beach State also lost to Portland in the season opener, a game that I was at. Uh, they also have lost to Northridge and UC San Diego and a couple of other teams in the Big West, a team that's won some great games, lost some bad games, just kind of the story of the season so far for the 49ers at Long Beach State. But Always good to see uh, former Gonzaga coaches having success. Uh, always fun to see these guys doing well. So, uh, th something we'll come back to at the end of the season. We'll kind of recap how the years went for these programs. We'll, of course, look at how former players are doing out of Gonzaga as well. But for now, that is going to wrap it up for today here on the Locked on Zags podcast. We'll be back on Friday recapping Gonzaga's game against Pepperdine. We'll also get ready for that game against San Diego coming up on Friday's episode of Locked on Zags. Thanks so much for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. And until then, as always, go Zags.